Today's guest on the EVT Podcast is Craig Goldstein of Baseball Prospectus, the editor-in-chief. Craig is here to talk to us about all of our favorite Padre prospects, including some that we don't talk about enough, you know, whether it be guys like Estuary Ruiz, whether it be guys like, you know, Gabriel Arias. We get to touch on, uh, you know, Xavier Edwards a little bit, but we also talk about the big wigs, you know, we have to. Kind of do a little World Series recap with him in the beginning, but let's get to it. Padres on a mission. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. We had a little bit of a World Series hiatus, but uh, we are definitely back with another terrific guest. Uh, with us today is Craig Goldstein, Editor-in-Chief of Baseball Prospectus. What's going on, Craig? How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, guys. Uh, you know, glad to be able to help you come back from the World Series. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's always a rough time for us baseball fans this, this November, December months. Uh, although the, the winter meeting should be provide some excitement um give us just a quick your quick take on the season and, and in particular the world series which was an awesome series and is really kind of makes baseball special right yeah i mean i think any you know i think it's it's kind of crazy we got the uh, third game seven in the world series in four years um i you know it was an incredible run for the nationals i i live in dc so it's been oh, okay. a lot of fun you know being around other fans that that are getting into the team i know you know, I know sometimes bandwagon fans uh, bother people, but like that's how people become fans, right? You know, yes. that's how they start. They hop on board and and see how much fun it is. And you know, frankly, I'm happy to see anyone be a baseball fan at any given time. So uh, I, I'm not a Nationals fan, so it wasn't like special to me personally. But it was a really cool series, and it was cool to see people uh, support the team that way. And and like you said, it was just it was a great series and and a lot of fun. Yeah, it's always awesome seeing baseball fans or just people of all walks of life coming together and rally for one cause, if you will. And uh, like you say, fandom has to start somewhere. So it's it's nice that there a lot of national fans are being built and cultivated in, in Washington these days. Exactly. Uh, well said. Let's let's talk about the San Diego Padres now. Uh, let's talk about someone who, you know, you've done a show in the past about two years ago. You we. Patrick and I uh, asked you about Luis Urias and the projections that you had for him. And you gave us a Alexi Amarista and a Luis Sardinius comp for him. Oh, um, no. You did. Oh, man. no. I, but no, I remember, I remember why. It was because of his height and weight and yeah. kind of just his body. And it was like uh, the concern was whether he was going to be able to tap into enough power to, to actually hit and remain like that type of prospect. Well, I was going to say your your predictions kind of coming true because he struggled at the major league Not level. Not the way I want. Not the <laughs> way I want. Um, give, give us a little bit about him. I don't know if you've, you've noticed a leg kick that he kind of brought into his, his swing and mechanics this year. He generated yeah. more power at the PCL, but everybody did. But give us a little bit about Urias and whether you think that he's going to project as a, as a solid major leaguer or if he's just going to be one of those prospects that kind of fizzles out. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be 
I don't want to say somewhere in between. I think he can project as a solid major leaguer, but I, I do think we should be aware of like what we mean when we say, and I don't mean to call you on it specifically, but just generally when we talk about like fizzling out, you know, when, yeah. when we like, he, he, first of all, he's still very young. Uh, he's going to be 23 next year his age 23 season the, you know, there, there's a lot to do with his glove. He can play short. He's not going to play short because of Tatis, but like he can play short. He can play a good second base. You don't necessarily have to hit a ton to be a worthwhile piece on a major league team or even like a second division type starter, which even, you know, pennant winning teams have those guys, right? They have those guys that they're able to rely on and run out every day, even if they're someone who they might be able to improve, improve upon in an off season or via trade or something like that. So, so there are a lot of different outcomes there. But I do think I, I did notice the leg kick. And and one thing I noticed that uh, kind of, you know, I, like you said, I, I, I'm right in one way so far. But when I saw him uh, on the field for the Futures game in when when it was in D.C. two years ago, um, I was really impressed by the amount of carry off the bat that that his balls had. And that was in D.C., not in the PCI. So so it's not quite the same thing. And it is just batting practice, but you can see it and how it works with different players. Right. And the ball really does jump off his bat. Now, the concerning part is that it wasn't like he was, hit, you know, belting home runs when he's doing this. But the ball always traveled a little further than you thought it was going to when when you saw the swing in the first place. So I do think there's enough power there for him to be that regular. And I think, you know, someone with his potential quality on defense has the ability to to make that play up into a regular starter like you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we can stick in middle infield area. Let's just go ahead and talk about a guy that we talked about before here. You know, we talked about Owen Miller, about how nobody was kind of talking about Owen Miller this year. I mean, this is a guy that I got to see a lot of this year in Amarillo and was one of the few constants with the moving parts around this team. You know, what did you think about the year that Owen Miller had and pretty much the career up until now, and what do you think he projects as? Yeah, I mean, I think what you know what we were talking about right before the show started was that this was a guy, given the depth of this system, that that just didn't get a ton of attention. I, you know, I, I think I said to you, no one was talking about him, which was probably unfair. But you know, he really he jumped up. But true, yeah, I mean, he jumped up to double A. He, you know, he had been hitting uh, consistently for average prior to that, uh, he, and and he when jumped a level to double A and hit 290 again. There's not a ton of power, but he's one of those guys that just does everything well. It, you know, he might not pop for you in a single game with with one standout tool, but if you sit on a series or multiple series, I know, you know, Austin, you were saying you're in Amarillo. I'm sure you got to see a ton of him. And over the course of a season, you really appreciate what someone with his polish and and his ability to to be consistent uh, you know, every every game, day in, day out, what that brings to the table. Um, you know, we had someone on our prospect team, Ricky Conti, out in the AFL, and he said, you know, Miller stood out for the all-around abilities. Again, that's not a single tool popping off the page, but he was able to be consistent in everything he did, and that's that's something you don't want to overlook when you're talking about prospect development. And and I think, look, I, and again, this isn't meant to, when I compare or contrast someone, it's not to meant to cast shade on, on anyone else, but, you know, I went and I was talking to you guys before the show. Like we, I was there for a day uh, in the backfields in Peoria. And like one of the names that, that I had heard a lot about heading into that was uh, Tukupita. Uh, I can't say his name. Woo. Uh, <laughs> Marcano. And he, you know, that's someone who's like toolsy, but at the lower levels. And it's not, you're not even really short. Like Owen Miller went out and performed at double A 
And I think people should be talking about him at least as much. And again, that's not to throw any shade at Marcano or, or, or denigrate in any way. It's, it's, it's to elevate the way people talk about Miller, if that makes sense. It really does. And, you know, it's, it's kind of cool the way that this Amarillo team functioned. It was like Hudson Potts had to play second base because of, you know, the person that we talked about, talked about prior, Luis Urias, like you have to have a mm-hmm. fail safe there, you know? Like Hudson Absolutely. Potts had to play second base once a week. Owen Miller had to play second base once a week. One of my favorite players that I talked to all year, Ivan Castillo, played second base otherwise. But, I mean, from what I saw, Miller looked pretty smooth at second base. And, you know, it's just it's just another cog in the system, man. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and, and our view is that second base probably makes the most sense for him long term. That, you know, there, it's, it's average first step quickness. Uh, there's a, a little bit of a limited range there. It's not bad. He can fill in in a pinch, but that second probably makes the most of his skill set if you're looking to make him an everyday type of guy. He's, he's one of those guys that does everything. He does everything like gr- good, but doesn't do anything yeah. spectacular. So it's like a qu- the quiet consistency. Is something yeah. that if you don't see it every day, you can't really respect it, like you said. And it's 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 pretty cool to have a guy like that. And we were talking about before, Olivares is somebody that's almost identical to that. You know, this isn't a guy that does anything that you look at and you're like, whoa, look what this guy's doing. You know, this is a guy that you have to see every day. Uh, what are your thoughts right. on him? I know you're pretty you're pretty into him. Yeah, I'm a fan of him. I liked him ever since they got him in the trade. And, you know, I, I always kind of kept him in my mind in one piece with um, with Tirso or- Ornelas, right? And how Ornelas is like this massive tools guy. And he does. Like, you see him stand there. I know, you know, James, you were, as we found out before the show, you were on the backfields the same day I was. You mm-hmm. see him walk up to the plate and like he's a physical monster, right? Like six yeah, yeah. four, just jacked, and like he can run too. And you totally get why people buy into Tirso Ornelas. But when I look at Oliveris, there's just you know it, it's typical like scout speak comparing a tools guy to a polished guy, but there is just like more polished. And and part of that is he's older, right? He's he was a 23 year old this year. He's gonna have more. He's expected to have more polish. He should have it. But I really just like what he brings to the table, and I don't think he's lacking in tools either. He's not quite the tool shed Olivares is, and he doesn't have—I mean, um, sorry, Ornelas is, and he doesn't have quite that upside. But I feel like there's a lot more chance of what he does have clicking, and that it's not—you uh, know—I'm not—you know—he's not, you know, not going to have plus plus much of anything. But like, it's all going to play. And so I really like him as a player in the system and, and a system that has as much upside at the top of it that it does. And, and even if you want to go beyond the top of it, these, these guys who are in the majors now, um, you know, you're going to need some of these guys who can come in and, and start filling the role more immediately rather than, than, you know, having a steep learning curve. Yeah. Oliveris is definitely one of those players that you have to see every day to appreciate. He's, He's just a ball player, I guess, for lack of better words. He, he, you know, he he does the little things. He performs average to slightly above average in, in most categories, and that's that's refreshing in this day and age when you see all these these guys that have you know huge power potential but strike out a bunch, or you know can hit but can't even manage on the field at all. So it's refreshing to see the Padres have a, a few ball players that are well rounded in, in all areas, and hopefully they're they're able to to perform at the major league level they look as though they should be able to usually the the players that are stoic like that that just kind of quietly go about their business are the ones who have success so we'll have to wait and see um let, let's stick with the amarillo outfield and talk about a new uh, padre prospect this year uh 
that would be Taylor Trammell. The, the Padre fans are still a little, feathers are still a little ruffled about moving Framil Reyes. Uh, just, you know, the chemistry that he brought to the team. But Taylor Trammell is a ball player in himself. He's a left-handed center fielder, something that the, the Padres needed. Um, give us a little bit about Trammell and what you think about his upside. Yeah, I mean, I, he's he's actually a little bit of a, a divisive prospect, and I don't I don't know if that's something that you guys have have experienced in in your particular community. Yeah, okay, so yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I I've really liked him. I liked him as a as a draft prospect from the Reds, and and I liked him coming up through the system. But you know, when we've had guys like you know lay eyes on him, uh, you know, even before the trade and, and after, we we fortunate enough to have a lot of good looks at him. It's that like the tools are there and they can flash, but but that consistency that we talked about with with someone like Olivares or or even Owen Miller just isn't there. And he was in a tough league to to hit for power, but that's the one. So again, like I go back to I saw him in the futures game uh, both this year and last year actually. But but last year when it was in DC, again batting practice, he was putting them into the second deck. So then I I see my guys you know come in and and have these reports that say. You know, I don't know about the power. And I'm thinking, like, what's the disconnect <laughs> here? Right. Like what's going on? And certainly there are guys who have five o'clock power versus in-game power. And so maybe that's something that San Diego can work with him on in terms of, you know, I don't I don't want to just say throw swing change out there and, and act like it's easy. It's not. But maybe trading some of of his contact for his loft and to to tap into that. A power maybe it's like what Urias was doing and in, in terms of adding a leg lift you know there are a lot of different ways to go about it but it seems to me that that the people who have seen him in games and more than I have so I want to be clear like I'm not trying to take precedent with my my batting practice look but when I've seen him it, it clicks and makes sense to me you know like the, I, I know he got thrown out at home uh trying to steal home in the in the futures game this year but i was there and first of all i think he was safe but you know this is a guy who has such such you know just incredible vibes right like he has a sense for the moment and he's got the that otherwise uh star quality that i just like it compels me to believe he's going to figure this out uh and and be able to put his tools to use but the reality, the the flip side of that, and the reality is he's not doing it, or at least not doing it on a very consistent basis right now. Yeah, it, you know, Austin, give us a little bit about what you saw in, in Amarillo this year. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear what, what you have to say too. His eye is kind of his kind of, eye is probably the best that I saw all year. Like this guy sees the plate better than anybody. It's it's really it's really crazy because he builds at bats. And I wanted to do averages on how many how many pitches per at bat that he takes because he feels like he's always making pitchers work. And if you look at star players, I mean, that's what those guys do. And you know, he finally caught fire. You know, I asked him about, uh, asked me, you know, what was different in the Texas League playoffs, and he was like, "I finally just got back to being myself." You know, I've been just trying to be somebody else yeah. for a little bit. And, and he had that that walk off grand yes, slam he did. in the playoffs, right? I mean, this is what I'm talking about with that that sense for the moment, right? Like he knows, and and you know, again, he tried to steal home. Again, I think he was safe in this year's futures game. Last year, he had the uh, he thought he had a second home run and and flashed the two to, to the <laughs> bench on the way. Like this guy, he's like he has all the elements of the star uh, of a star. And and to to build on what you're saying, Austin, I'm sorry for for cutting there you go. off, but but. You know, I, I'm looking at a report that we had from Kevin Carter, who, who's down in the Texas League, and he was saying that, 
he's he tends to inside out or at the time he was inside out in a lot of pitches i don't know if that's something that you saw but it was approach that you know if he can if he can focus on you know making that hard contact pull side you probably see more of the power that i see in in batting practice and and maybe that's something that they can help him do and get back to feeling like he, you know he's himself do you want to hear something funny uh, the first interview that I ever did with him after the trade, uh, one of our one of our media guys here asked him about the ballpark, and he goes, "It's it's baseball, just like just yeah. hit it, just hit it to left center." And he, yeah, and the guy was like, "What?" And he goes, "If you watch my batting practice, most of the time I just try to hit it to left center because yeah. I mean they're not standing there. I might as well do right. that. And if I can if I can get better at, by going to the opposite field, right? Anybody can hit it to the you know to hit it to the pull side." I was just like, right. how, you know, how like next level is that? You're literally just focusing on opposite field. Well, and that and that's the question, right? So if, if Kevin sees him talking about inside outing, which is not quite the same thing, but you know, it is working on going right. to that opposite field, right? So if if he's working on that developmentally, like, do we need to worry about him as an overall prospect? Uh, whereas, like, he's confident he can get back to a pull side approach, but he's working on on a specific skill. Well, that's okay. I mean, it's ultimately the minor leagues are developmental. Right. So you don't need to worry about the production too much. But we also are talking about the upper minors at this point. And I'd like to see that power play a little more consistently. And and just going back to his overall profile, one of the reasons he's divisive is that it's not clear he can stay in center field. And he probably like he doesn't really have the arm for right. So then you're talking about a left a left fielder and they, you know, again, historically need to hit a lot to justify the profile and then you're back to the power questions right so it is like this loop that makes sense once you get into it but when you do look at those individual tools they there are a lot of standout ones so so there's belief that he can get there ultimately standout tools i mean what better transition to that than to go into mckenzie gore oh man yeah i know that's i i <laughs> yeah i mean just gush yeah. about him. go ahead <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, like, look, I, I don't want to, I understand on the guests, and, and that's part of why I'm here, but I, I love to hear what I love talking about these guys and hearing what other people think. I mean, James, like I said, you were there on the backfield the, the same day I was. I, I'd love to hear what you thought of him. I mean, it, it's just, it's some of the easiest velocity I've ever seen. Oh, it yeah. is. It is. It, and, and it's the mindset. You know, I had the opportunity to talk to him in Lake Elsinore before, before the season, and, you know, he, he, he cherished last season and the blister issues and the problems he had in Fort Wayne because he said that that made him tougher sitting yeah. on the bench and watching the players, watching his teammates play and just not having anything physically wrong with him other than a finger really got to him and really, really motivated him this year. And he talked to me and all he wa- all he kept telling about was dominating. He wanted to dominate every start, every inning, every pitch, every at bat. And for a, 20, 20 year old to, to talk like that is just it's yeah. it's absolutely amazing and he went out and he, he didn't just talk it he went out and he did it so he's on the next level you should we should see him at Peckle Park this season I, I think it's just a matter Hopefully of, of slowly building his arm streak <laughs> well I, at this point he's ready I mean it, it, there's no there's no doubt in my mind that he can get major league hitters out consistently at this point it's just the innings limits and and his age and and just wanting to be make sure that his health is is the most important factor, I think, at this point for him. Yeah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I agree that he's ready 
to to face major leaguers. I, and I think there will be some bumps along the road in that respect. Oh, but that's yeah, okay. Sure. Like that's this is a guy that no, as you're talking about, right? Like like he did with his finger. It, it, he turns it into something that can motivate him, something yes. he can learn from. And so you want him to experience that adversity a little bit because he does. I mean, like, look, we, we have Wilson Caraman on our team, saw him this year in high A um, I, and, and he wasn't long for, for high A really, but like, you know, we had a 70 on his fastball, a, a future 70 on his fastball, future 60 on his curveball. And and I think there's there's room for that to be even better, right? Like, I mean, this is one man's grade, but I think if you talk to Wilson, uh, which I, he loves to talk and I recommend doing, like he would tell you that it flashes better than that. Um, but but this is just, you know, it's one it's it, this is one scouting report. Um, and, and then again, above average on the slider and, and change up. I mean, that's that's four above average pitches, one double plus one plus. And even if you disagree with those specific grades, again, you might want to you might be heavier on the breaking ball than than Wilson was that that's a major league profile. And and that's a guy who and, and again, despite his age, you're talking about his mentality, his approach to the game. This is someone who's going to learn from whatever struggles he goes through. And so I wouldn't I wouldn't really hesitate putting him in a situation to be in those struggles because I know he's going to make the most of them, which isn't saying he, he needs to break camp with the team or anything like that. But I do think the bigger uh, impediment to him in the majors this year is going to be that innings limit that you mentioned more so than than actual any actual preparation. And that doesn't, again, no guarantee that he'd come out and dominate or even be major league average. But I wouldn't even worry about that with him. I, I would just say, like, I want him to get that experience because it's going to yeah. pay off very quickly. Like, this yeah, isn't paying off multiple years down the, load, down, down the road. He's going to learn real quick. Yeah, he's, he's going to figure it out. There's, there's no question in my mind he's going to be a, a, at least an a average to above average major leaguer. I mean, th- this kid is is just really special. And, and just talking to him, you you get that sense. And it's it's just, yeah. I mean, Austin saw him in in Amarillo firsthand, had an opportunity to to witness him firsthand, and it, it's just the the demeanor and, and the way he carries himself, and and the fact that he's able to to convey that to his other teammates. And I mean, Luis Patino's picking up the same vibes that he's throwing down. And performing the same way, and this is a converted shortstop who doesn't have a lot of innings under his arm. Um, let's talk a little bit about Patino since I brought him up. Absolutely. Give me your thoughts on him. I mean, you saw the futures game. I mean, how dominating did he look? In that game? I mean, that was. And and again, I I'm open to hear your thoughts soon too. But I go back to that that backfield day, and and we were just talking. Gore was thrown on one side. Um, Patino was the only one not throwing, by the way. But Morahone was on the other. Uh, um, Michael Baez was, was uh, thrown yes, on, on one side. I mean, like, the, those types of – getting that on a backfield is nuts. And then the guy I saw in the Futures game looked better than all of them. And, look, I'm not – look, Gore is the better prospect. He's 6'3". He's got the frame. He's got the stuff. He's got all of that. Man, Luis Patino looks – like, it is electric. You know what I'm saying? Like, you talk about Gore's easy velocity. And and it is – it's also I wanted to mention, like, his demeanor on the mound is he's just taking care of business, right? Like, none of the – he's unflappable. But Patino is electric. And I know I keep saying that, but that's the word. It Like, it sizzles. It felt like you could hear the ball slicing yeah. through the air. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was nuts. I, I don't know. I like this. That's a guy who gets me more excited than even someone like Gore, which isn't fair to Gore. Again, he's the better prospect. I'm I'm going to admit that right out. The guy I like more, Patino. Yeah, yeah. He he just has that 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 moxie about him, and that just 
like just oh, dominate. He's there to shove. Feel he's there yeah. to shove. He's, he's not taking show. care of business. He wants yeah. to shove. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's it's amazing that they interact so well because they're exact polar opposites. I've talked talked to so many of their teammates. Austin has as well, and, and they're just one of and Patino's high energy, bouncing off the wall, and Gore's just stoic and calm, and 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 they they it's just it's fantastic the way that they interact and the way that they can feed off each other and learn different uh, mentalities of how to pitch, and it's only going to make them better. Yeah, and and I think it's it's interesting. I'm sorry, Austin. One just one second. Is is that I I. I think it, it's very, uh, you know, it's something that we can all learn from is that success looks differently. Success can yes. be a 6'3 guy who's, uh, you know, I don't want to say low energy, but, you know, low pulse, like doesn't get too rattled or, or overexcited in any situation in a guy like Gore. And then another 6'0 guy with a ton of energy who just comes out throwing flames, right? Like, I mean, it can look different and there are a lot of ways to success. And, and you know, look, a lot of what people do when you're talking about scouting, when you're talking about evaluating minor leaguers is you start putting people into buckets, but it's important to keep, and and that's fair to do in a lot of ways, but it's important to keep your mind open and understand that like those buckets can all lead to success. You're just talking about probabilities in a lot of these cases. So I'm sorry, Austin, I know I've cut you off. No, no, no. I I just wanted to chime this in there with Patino. Uh, I talked to AJ Kennedy who caught him a little bit, you know, during his sessions here. Because, I mean, AJ didn't get to play a lot because Luis Torrens was Luis Torrens the entire year. But he told me, because I asked him about Patino's fastball, because I was fascinated by it. Like, I think it's miraculous, obviously, like most people do. But I asked him, I was like, what does he do with it? He goes, I couldn't tell you. Sometimes it cuts. Sometimes it sinks. It's incredibly hard to hit. I know it can't be. It's not fun to catch, so I know it can't be (laughs) fun to hit. And I was just like, dang. And this is another guy, you know, we, again, we have a report on the site. Brandon Williams saw him uh, for us again in, in this was before he got to Amarillo. But this again, 70 future fastball, 60 future curveball, 60 future changeup, 55 future slider. Again, wow. we're talking about well, another guy. With, wow. Yeah. I mean, so again, like me, again, he saw him. This is uh, off of two starts. So it's, it's okay. about uh, seven weeks apart. So we, we make sure we get either an extended start to file our reports or multiple starts, you know, just so, and then ideally, you know, we'll go back and revisit if someone's in the league long enough and, and we get to see him. But th- this is one of those situations where maybe he saw him differently. And, and if you saw him more often, you know, that's where people can you know, not, not even agree to disagree, but agree that they just saw, you know, different guys at different times. And, th- and that happens. But even if you want to downgrade the slider, whatever, you're talking about three plus pitches or, you know, three at least plus pitches, you know, and another average to above average one. You know, these guys coming up with four pitches to attack major league hit- hitters is such a, uh, I mean, it's such a luxury to have as a prospect because you can see a lot of these guys. I mean, we talk about, I don't know, if you want to just go go upstate to uh, AJ Puck or whatever, it's two dominant pitches, but there's a right. lot of questions about that third one and whether he's going to stick as a starter. And you can yeah. say if there's a question whether Patino will stick as a starter because of his height, but when you've got four pitches this good or even three and, and a solid fourth, it it gives you such a good chance. It almost forces yeah, your I hand. Mean, well, look yeah. look at what the Padres are dealing with right now with Chris Paddock. I mean, Paddock has yeah. two dominant pitches, and they're trying to figure out that curveball to try to make him right. get him into that next level. It, it it's tough to get major league hitters out the third time around the lineup, and you you kind of have to have that third pitch to show them at least, and, and right. got at least be able have to have it throw in first their play. mind a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. exactly. All right, let's talk about my possible double play combination next year. 
probably going to see uh, Gabriel Arias at some point. What can I expect from him? I know he's more of a defensive specialist, but you know, what are kind of the reports on him as a whole? Yeah, I mean, plus athleticism, a lot of mobility, a lot of range. I mean, you know, his his ability to go get it in the field is not a question. And he's got really nice, soft hands. Uh, he really smothers ground balls and gets to a ton of things. And his arm is, I mean, we had someone describe it as an as a as a laser in the field. So I, I you know, you're gonna love watching him at shortstop. I know he played a little bit at third base, but this is a guy who's gonna be a shortstop. You know, whether his offensive game is going to uh, play, you know, that's that's a little bit of a different question. I, I think there's some there is some power there. Uh, he had some extra base hits. Uh, it might not all be home run, but there's a lot of length to the swing when he accesses that power. So the question is whether at double A you start running into pitchers who are a little bit uh, better suited to exploit something like a long swing. Uh, whereas I, I think in the lower minors, you know, you're able to get away with something like that a little bit more. But there's this is a guy you're going to love to watch. I mean, again, we, we you can compare him to someone like an Owen Miller where his defensive tools are going to shine and they're going to become clear very quickly. And he's also just a guy who loves being at the park, loves playing baseball, being in the field. And and like you're going to feel that pretty quickly, too. All right, let's go to the let's go to the other side of the double play combination then. Xavier Edwards, what can I expect from him next year and you know what kind of stands out about him? I mean, the first thing you're going to notice is his speed, right? We we had guys all over, we had a ton of guys in the Cal League as, as I'm sure you you noticed, but we also saw him down in low A. Uh he had eight um sorry, we had a guy see him eight times before filing his report. We had a double plus speed, 70 on the on the scouting scale. Uh he's and it's not just like top end speed. He accelerates very quickly. And, you know, the thing is he's not gonna hit for a ton of power, right? You know that by by his frame and stuff like that, but he's not like devoid of power either. Uh, you know, he's he's thicker on the lower half for someone with his speed, right? Like it's not the wiry thin guy necessarily. Um, I, you know, I think he's probably a second baseman long term, which obviously works when you're pairing him with a guy like like Arias, although I know he was drafted out as a shortstop. Uh, but he can really make a ton of contact. I think, you know, the ultimate question with a guy like Edwards, and, and again, this is speaking to people with his profile, is there's a lot of contact, but if you're talking about below average power, or, or well below average power potentially, um, or or someone in between those two zones, is can he make pitchers pay for challenging him in the zone? And that's something you start to find out when you reach again double A. I talked about you know the same thing with Arias about exploiting his long swing. With with Edwards, it's not the length of the swing. It's can they say I'm going to throw 96 in the zone, and can you punish me with more more than a single? Because if not, um, I'm not really afraid of you, right? And that yeah. becomes more of a problem. Yeah, I, I like Edwards' bat skills. There's definitely a lot to appreciate about him. Um, I'm not a huge comp guy, but I heard a comp yesterday of Viggins for him, which I thought was Sean Viggins is kind of a go ahead. I don't know. I thought it was a decent comp. I mean, I, you know, he had a decent major league career. He got a big contract from somebody. <laughs> yeah, Seattle when they were going all defensive. There you go. That was interesting. Yeah, I mean that's it's an interesting one. I he's definitely he's built a little different, but I can certainly yeah. see it in terms of like the profile and and uh the overall production and value type of thing. I, I can yeah, see that. But that, yeah, that, that was thought... a multi year major leaguer. I mean that's that was a guy who was uh you know, like you said, he hit free agency, he got a deal, all of that. Yeah, I mean he's productive major leaguer, so I mean that's pretty much all you can count on when when you're talking about these prospects. Because I think a lot of people think that 
you know, your top five prospect, your guaranteed success is going to be a Hall of Famer. It's going to be a perennial all-star. And that's just not how it works. Um, a lot yeah. of these guys fizzle out. And, um, let's move into, you know, the, the Padres system is just incredibly deep. <laughs> we can do this let's all let's day. Talk about, let's, yeah, really. Let's talk about their number one pick from last year. 19-year-old C.J. Abrams, who tore up the AZL League, hitting 400, uh, yeah. was sent to Fort Wayne, had a little bit of shoulder injury. Give me what you see in Abrams and how he was quickly able to adjust to professional pitching and and just barrel up baseballs consistently. Yeah, I mean, look, so, so some of this is, is you know, we had a report on him before, before the draft. Um, and, and I honestly was a little bit worried about his profile before the draft. It, it's extreme tools in terms of his athleticism. But I, I had a lot of questions about whether he was going to hit and whether the power, you know, would be there to just, you know, to, to off, offset either the questions about the hit or whether the hit would be there to offset questions about the power. There were some questions about both of them, right? And so I, I was a little scared about taking him super high in the draft, but I, I found it really encouraging that he walked in as a, a prep product into the AZL and performed the way he did and earned that promotion. You know, it's not like they forced him there uh, to low A. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he earned that. Um, and so that was really encouraging for me to see. And I, I think the answer uh, in terms of what he was able to do in the AZL is just that that's his athleticism shining through. And I do think there's still a lot of raw product, but I'm always interested by these guys who are seen as extra, extra raw and come up with a little bit more baseball sense than people otherwise anticipated. Now, it's usually not these guys at the top of the draft like like Abrams is, but the guy I think of is a guy like Matt Kemp. I remember he was a, a multi-sport guy. He was a basketball player, and he showed up, and people were saying, oh, he's actually, like, you know, for a guy who, who was a multi-sport guy, there's a lot of baseball capacity here. And like he he seems to understand the game better than than we thought pre-draft. And, you know, that was a guy who obviously clicked and had was a star. Now, not every guy is like that, but I, I'm always interested in seeing these guys who are who are seen prior to the draft as ultra raw athletic types. And then they come in and perform immediately like Abrams did. And I think that's a really positive sign. Yeah, it is because you know he was given I think like a a forty mark for his power. Yeah, that's what we he, have. I'm, yeah, he, go ahead. And he, I mean, he hit three home runs in the AZL. He was driving the ball pretty consistently and and doing it against you know younger pitchers, obviously. But it's nice to see them already showing some progression with the power. He's not going to really? be a. a He's not Go old ahead. either. No, it's just yeah. he's not old either. So it's younger pitchers, but he's young too. I, you know, yes. we had Keenan Lamb on our team, saw him again before the draft. Uh, he had a 50 hit, 40 power profile for his offensive uh, tools. He had 70 speed, again, speaking of that athleticism. But, you know, it's the same thing that you're talking about. He said, but he said in when you read the write-up, so this is this is another hobby course of mine, and, and I hope you'll forgive me for, you know, taking the time to talk about it. But the numbers are great. But you you want to read the reports, right? And and you guys go see, you know, you see these guys a lot. Uh, you know, Austin, you're seeing these guys in Amarillo every day. Like you want to read the depth and context of that number. So we put a four, you know, Keenan put a forty on his power, but he talks about how he needs to gain strength to add to his raw power. So obviously there's some there's some upside there, and it's not a forty power forever. But this is this is a prediction. It's a you know it's a future grade, but it's subject to change, especially for guys as young as Abrams is. And he also notes that the swing is geared towards contact right now. That's his approach at the time. 
again, this is that's something that can change. And and as we've seen with a lot of these guys in the last year, two years, it can change substantially. Um, so this is someone with that type of athleticism. If he's able, you know, you're going to get him into a pro system where they they know how to, you know, help guys add muscle, add strength to their frame. You know, this is something that, again, the grade is 40, but there's a lot of of variability there, if that makes sense. No, it, it does make sense. And it, it's it, like, like you say, he's a toolsy guy, but it, it's it's just nice to see him already showing a little more polish with with certain tools that were. I guess question marks, if you will, and it's going to be a big season for him seeing full season ball, and, and especially if he's up in Fort Wayne where it's cold in the beginning of the year. I'm just intrigued that someone so young is already performing so well in, in a system that's just overcrowded with talent, and, and it, it's you know you have to commend AJ Preller for for what he's done building this system. Um, let's transition into a pitcher who's kind of came out in 2019 i guess there had already been some reports that you know he was a on his way up and that's joey cantillo uh had an awesome year in fort wayne was promoted up to lake elsinore had a little bit of struggles especially with his command but in in talking to cantillo i I really like his approach in the game and the way he thinks about pitching um this wasn't a high draft pick this was someone who was unheralded out of out of hawaii give me your thoughts on cantillo and if you've seen any reports on him yeah, we had we had reports on him. We had people who, like I said, we we were fortunate enough to blanket the Cal League this year. Um, awesome. This this is a guy who you know. Look, I, I don't begrudge any. I, he generated a lot of questions throughout the year in in our chats and and you know when people just interested in in finding someone because he was dominant, right? Like this isn't. It wasn't like he was good. He was really good. And you know that's that's one of those things I, I know people talk about and especially people in my community tend to talk about scat, uh, stat line scouting as a bad thing. I, I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as a starting point, you know, so that this guy was dominating the way he was. That raises an eyebrow. Right. And you want to say, like, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, I think what what the concerns that you have from a scouting perspective is it's an 88 to 90 mile per hour fastball. That doesn't leave a lot of room for margins, you know what I mean? Like, the, um, or a margin for error. I, that's just it's it's tough to consistently uh, perform the way he has, and so credit to him for doing it this far. But did, when, did you when, see that velocity got up to ninety three, ninety four at times at this the, year? At times, I did see that. But but I'm yeah, you know so uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, it's just it's I don't know whether or not that is going to be his consistent average or whether or not, like you say, he's going to be able to sit eighty nine, ninety, and, and 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 be able to pitch pitch effectively, but. And talking to him, you you get quotes like I, I got this quote from him. Um, I think at the bare root of pitching, or what a lot of pit, young pitchers don't realize, is that we complicate things then more than we should. When I he, when I see a, a nineteen year old tell me something like that, I, I get excited because I think, okay, yeah. he's going to be able to pitch. He's not going to be a thrower. He's not going to try to strike everyone out. He's going to mix things up, and he's he's getting it already. So I I don't know. We'll have to wait and see if he sits at ninety four, ninety five, or is able to do that, but. Yeah. You know, well, continue. So, give me, give, give me your thoughts on whether or not he's going to be able to mix speeds effectively at 88 and 89 and get upper minor leaguers out if, if at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think the potential is there for him to do it either way. I, but I, like I said, it, it it greatly reduces the margin for error. And and it's true. You're you're 100 right. That there are, you know, he he did touch higher. Um, the question is where he's going to sit consistently. 
And and I think that affects, you know, ultimately his ceiling or again, how much how much risk you're willing to allocate to a guy like that. And and again, that's not to, to denigrate what he did. It actually enhances kind of what he did, at, you know, in the Cal League and, and how good he was to some degree. But the, the thing is that it, it's not just a fastball, right? Like in this state, like we, you can look at the guy who's in San Diego now, Denelson Lamette, like relying more on his slider. And you see Pat, Pat Corbin did it in Arizona before going to Washington and, and becoming, you know, a more consistently top tier pitcher. You know, you see it everywhere with these guys throwing their breaking ball more consistently. His curveball is, is a potential plus offering. And it's not, you know, a lot of guys do it with their slider, but the curveball is, is a more neutral split when you're talking about lefties and righties. Uh, so, so that's a positive. And, and he's also got a really good changeup in the mid-70s that has has late sync, uh, and, and it can be significant sync and fade on that, um, and, and especially in the lower minors, and, and even, I would say, at double-A, is really likely to uh, to leave a lot of hitters, hitters baffled. So, you know, if he can be at 93 consistently, I think it does change the outlook of the profile. But, but the other – that doesn't mean he can't be – you know, successful without it. And, and going back to my point about the stat line scouting is that's something to watch. Like that's something to look for. And you can look for that in a box score or, you know, maybe not a box score, but you can look for it when, when people are reporting, um, you know, reporting on the game. If he's, if he's going to be in double a and Austin is there, he's going to have the velocities, right. Or, or you might be able to pull it up on the minor league game tracker, depending on what, what stadium you're in. So you can keep track of that. And if he starts to solidify that velocity in the higher end of his velocity band, that's when you can start to to tell yourself, you know, buy in a little more. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I got yeah. you. No, I hear you. I hear you. What does the outlook look on Adrian Morahone? Because this is a guy that I got to see a lot, but I didn't get to see in long stretches. I yeah. mean, most of what I saw was like two inning increments after the end. Yeah, I mean, they, they treated him... Him, I'm not going to say weirdly, but but tenderly, right? Af- after the injury, yeah. I, you know, this is a guy that when again when I saw him briefly as it was in in spring training, that stuff popped again. Like that was he 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 was. I mean, it was 94 to 97. I you know the the breaking ball flash plus. I th- that's a guy I I love. Like that's a, again like Patino. That's a profile I absolutely love. And so I, you know I get the feeling that he's going to end up in a relief role just because a, that's, that's kind of where they promoted him to the majors at for that, that little bit there, that stretch, but also because of the way the injuries played out and the way the innings, you know, I, I I see a lot of the Dodgers, uh, you know, the major league team throughout the year. And, you know, I look at Julio uh, Urias, right. And like, when's, when is he going to be a a full-time starter? That's the question that's been happening for for two years. And it's probably not next year. Right. He probably doesn't have the baseline to jump to be a full time starter yet. Yeah. And I think you kind of run into that that mathematical problem with a guy like Morahone, too, is like yeah. if you want him to be a starter, he's already basically close to the majors. Like, how is that going to work and where are you going to get him those innings consistently while also using him to make your team the best you can? And, and, and that's something that tends to result in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. I think they have the same issue with Michelle Bias, who pitched right. solely out of relief Michelle, last season, uh, pitched successfully for the Padres. I mean, he recorded a, a 3.03 ERA in 24 appearances. Um, a couple of years ago when you were on the show, you actually projected him as a reliever, thought that that's where his future would be. Uh, are you still feeling that same way with Bias, or, or do you think like 
Urias or, and like Marjone, his, his, his window, his opportunity for starting at, at this level is kind of past him, and they're just going to kind of transition him into the relief role. Or Give me your thoughts on Baez, if you could. Yeah, I mean, I think he's someone who, uh, you know, he, he has a few complications. You know, he, he has kind of the opposite problem that a guy like Patino does in terms of profile. He, he's huge, right? He's extremely tall. And you could project that frame to carry a lot of innings. But what also, the, the flip side of that is, Tall, taller players tend to struggle with their mechanics, uh, you know, over the course of a season, over the course of a game. When you get tired, you know, you're moving so many parts and so many, you know, bigger, longer parts that you kind of lose your form as the game wears on and then potentially as the season wears on. Uh, or that ability to control themselves to the same degree other guys do kind of comes a little bit later in their career. So I don't want to say that he the door the door is closed on him becoming a starter, but I do think if you look at the context of his situation, all the other arms that San Diego has available to them and that he's basically close to the major you know, he, he performed well in the major league uh uh in the major leagues last year, that it kind of points to a bullpen uh future. I, I you know, the the last part of that mix is that I don't he he had the the dynamic changeup and the big fastball. The question is that third pitch that we talked about before, and how consistently he's going to be able to show it. And I think the fact that he's already in the bullpen, had some experience uh, or experienced some success, success I should say, in the bullpen. You know, I, I think that points to him sticking there where a two pitch mix works a little bit more effectively, um, and, and that he can really just air it out and make more of his fastball. And and at that point. Um, display more of a gap between even his bullpen fastball and his and his uh, really good changeup. Yeah, it, it's it's these are these are terrific problems to have for the San Diego Padres. Oh, I mean, I it's it's, it's most a, it's major league... riches. I mean, riches upon riches. Yeah, most major league teams would love to have this issue of we got eight potential starting pitchers that are all under the age of twenty five. What do we do with them? So it, it's, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, Craig, thank you so much for your time. We 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 ran a little over, but. But, you oh, know, it was no fantastic picking your brain about a, a lot of these prospects. You have a lot of uh, vital information that uh, Padre fans love to hear. Uh, it's always awesome to hear uh, perspective from someone who's not tied to this team, who doesn't isn't in love with the prospects and kind of gives us a, a reality check. So uh, well, thank you so much, Craig. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm sorry for running a bit long and running my mouth a little bit. But but two 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 things that I want to hit on before I go. One yeah, yeah. is is that I know you talked about some guys that you you're going to see next year in uh, Amarillo, Austin. I think I think two names to highlight: Luis Camposano. I I can't believe we didn't. You know, a testament to this, to the depth of this system. That yeah, it's, it's impossible. Long without bringing up this guy who's like a top five catching prospect yeah. in, in baseball. I mean, he's he's really good. You're gonna love. You're going to love him. And then I, a guy I've always liked since they acquired him in trade was Esteori Ruiz. Oh, I was going to ask um, about him. Yeah, I, I'm a fan down of him. Down this year. What, what, I down mean, year, but the, the tools homers. are still there. I know, yeah. I know. Well, he's a small guy. Again, you know, this is yeah. – he, he's, he's six foot but wiry. You know, really saying, but he's he his tank his swing is really torqued up, which is how he's gotten to his power. But yeah, that's that's gonna you know again as you run up the chain, and if you have a longer swing that that relies on a lot of torque, now he's able to make it work with that that amount of torque and his ability to control the bat head. But again, the better pitches you see more consistently, you know, maybe you run into some more of those issues. So obviously, not what you want to see when you're talking about a guy in the Cal League. Right, uh, you expect to see a little more home runs, but yeah. uh, or extra base I mean, hits. He's still but, twenty, so he's still exactly. 
yeah. exactly. There's still tons of, tons of room for patience. So, so I just wanted to mention those two guys. And, and the other thing I wanted to say was just, you know, a, I, I really appreciate you having me on. And, and again, a lot of this information that I get is via these guys that, that go out there uh, all year for us at Baseball Prospectus. I, I know I'm sure everyone's not a subscriber, but we have, again, we blanketed. We have five people in the Cal League this year. There's a ton of great information there. So, again, if you're into the minors and, and, and want to follow these guys, you know, look, Austin's in Amarillo every day. I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from anyone else, but <laughs> just a, a supplement to what you guys are doing on yeah, this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, I really, obviously I'm invested in it, but I do recommend it. And I mean, it, you know, sincerely. For sure. Baseball Prospectus is, is a go-to. I mean, your, your guys' yearly baseball guide is, is a, I mean, I have a stack of them sitting in the corner of my room. So it, it's, it's a vital information and baseball fans love it. And definitely, we definitely support Baseball Prospectus out there. And thank you so much, Craig. For having yeah, us. thank thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, guys. After a long awaiting process, we have a manager, ladies and gentlemen. The San Diego Padres hired their twenty first manager, and his name is Jace Tingler. James, how are we feeling about the Jace Tingler hire, and you know, kind of everything surrounding it so far? Uh I, I guess excited. I would be, you know, even though I don't sound excited, I guess I'm excited. I am anticipating what he's going bring to the team yeah you know i i don't know it's it's seems like a strange hire but then you look at the 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 player development side of 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 his experience the the fact that he can improve base running the the fact that he's bilingual uh has a great reputation dealing with players you you get a little excited i think that the, the main concern is the lack of experience and the fact that he's pretty honest about about saying that he has no experience. I think in the press conference, uh, someone asked him about the fact that he has little to no experience uh, managing a, a major league team. And his response was that he managed many games in his head, which is a kind of a strange answer. Because I've managed many games in my head too, but I don't think I'm qualified to, to skip with San Diego Padres. Um, I don't know. We're talking about a lifelong American leaguer, played for two different American League organizations, was in Texas for a long time. I'm concerned about whether or not he's going to be able to handle the National League style of ball, of appropriately managing a bench, appropriately using your bullpen. There's some, there's obviously some natural concerns. So we'll have to wait and see who they surround him with. Uh, Wayne Kirby and Bobby Dickerson, two former Oriole coaches, uh, are rumored. I don't know. I think Dickerson's been finalized. I don't know if the Kirby one's been finalized, but both are supposedly going to be a member of his coaching staff. Uh, I think the most important thing is to surround him with veteran coaches, and I'd like to see some nationally veteran coaches in there to kind of help him out in in this regard. There's going to be there's going to be mistakes made with this with this young manager. There's just uh, there's no doubt about that. Will he be able to survive those mistakes, and will this young team be able to move forward after a couple of minor errors here and there with the manager? I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Give, give give me your thoughts on Tingler. I know I know that you're excited as well. Uh, this was a long anticipated move. Well, what are you thinking, Austin, about Mister Jace Tingler? Ecstatic. I'm I'm really thrilled that they went with the first time manager. 
number one. I really thought, I really thrilled that they went with a first-time manager with a background in player development. You know, a guy that's been, you know, in pretty much every aspect of the game. Uh, a guy that's, you know, generally very well regarded from a lot of the big names in baseball. I mean, Jim Callis, Keith Law. I mean, a lot of the guys that we've had on the show just have nothing but high regard when, you know, people have asked are, are asked about him. I think that's very big. You know, those guys just don't anoint anybody as, you know, a good candidate. And the fact that he got the job and the fact that they're going in this direction, I'm really, really appreciating that. And I'm really excited to see what this what's going to happen here. And, you know, uh, there, there will be a few bumps in the road. But, you know, the, that's how they kind of weave everybody out. And uh, I'm pretty excited to see what he holds. I can't wait till opening day. I can't wait to see what other coaches he kind of puts around him. Uh, like you said, lifelong American League guy. American League guy. So it'd be interesting how he handles National League Baseball because uh, for casual people, it is very different. There is a whole lot more strategic aspect in the National League. You have to be able to... You know, coach with the best of them in order to win your division, in order to win anything. If you're not Dave Roberts, <laughs> I mean, he's just he's gonna have to learn on the job. There's just no other way to put it. I mean, he does have managerial experience. He managed a DSL team uh, for three straight seasons. They they finished first place, compiled 124 and 62 record. I mean, that's fantastic numbers. That that's great. He, you know, he was at uh, in the Dominican Republic this winter. Uh, managing the Leones de Escondido with a couple of Padres, with a couple of with three Padres on 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 the roster, I'm intrigued. I'm anticipating interacting with him one on one. I'd like to get to know him and, and what type of person he is. I'm I'm not I'm that type of person. I like to talk more about family and, and get to know about the 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 type of person you are, the type of skill level that you bring to the game as far as you know i I've, we hear about this player development and the fact that he interacts with people really well and i'm excited for that opportunity to to pick his brain and see what he has to say in that regard um it, it's interesting we'll we'll have to wait and see there's there's definitely excitement in the air there's a lot of anticipation anticipation for this 2020 season for the padres they're they have to show progression this there's no doubt about it they can't finish last this season they they have to progress they have to show better each and every day. And there's going to be pressure on him. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the roster is already down to 40 men. The Padres made some moves uh, the past week. Uh, Travis Jankowski was traded to the Cincinnati Reds for international pool money. Uh, Jacob Nix and Eric Yardley were DFA'd for assignment yesterday. Carl Edwards Jr. Uh, refused his assignment and is now a free agent. And Seth Mejias Breen uh, accepted his ex- assignment to AAA and might factor in uh, down the road for this team. Um, I think the Knicks, the Knicks DFA was a little bit of a surprise, but being that he had some legal issues uh, this winter and he's coming off elbow woes, I think that it was more a strategic move than anything else i think that the padres are gambling that no one is going to claim him and hopefully be able to bring him back uh for next season uh give me your thoughts austin i i I know these are just kind of obscure players that they're kind of moving around at this point kind of making uh room on the 40-man roster but uh give me your thoughts on nicks and jankowski and stuff like that yeah you know it's always good to have extra bonus money 
you know, especially with a guy that really didn't have a place on this team. Uh, you know, we have, we have so many guys in this farm system that, you know, need to be able to shine. And when you have guys like that, it's almost like letting them free, you know, like giving them somewhere that, that they're probably going to be able to play more. You know, you don't want to keep Jankowski on here if he's not going to play baseball. And, and I mean, he, he knew the writing was on. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good friends with Travis. We talked at the end of the last, uh, at the end of the season in September, he kind of, he saw the writing on the wall. He saw that they brought in Nick Martini and gave at-bats that rightfully should have been his to Martini. Uh, you know, after he was called up in September, I believe he only got one start, and that was the last game of the year. Yeah, you know, the writing was on the wall. He was due for arbitration, going to make uh, at least 1.8 this year, probably more. I feel for the guy, and it's tough because baseball is a business. and you you get caught you get caught up in that being around the guys and having this sense of camaraderie and and just this club type atmosphere that you, that you're in and, and family type atmosphere. But the business side of the game does rule all, and unfortunately, it just has to happen sometimes. And I think the Jankowski move was just you know we're talking about a former first round pick. Like they DFA'd uh, Corey Spangenberg last season, another former former first round pick. Uh, slowly, AJ Preller is purging himself of the past draft selections and gaining, just gaining a farm system that he's comfortable with. So it's not a surprise. Um, we'll wish Travis the best of luck. He'll have every opportunity in Cincinnati to perform. That's a, a team that's on the on the rebuild, if you will. Uh, again, uh, a terrific offensive ballpark. So. Hopefully he's able to get at bats, and hopefully he's able to to establish himself as a major leaguer. I still have a lot of confidence in him. Uh, I personally thought he did have a, a spot on this team. They need left-handed hitters. They need top of the order presence. You're talking about a guy who could platoon with Margot if if the team is not able to upgrade at center field. But I don't run the team. AJ Preller does, and they made the move. So uh, we'll just have to wish Travis Jankowski the best and uh, look for the 2020 season for the Padres to be a, a prosperous one um give me your thoughts on nicks uh you know i feel for the guy because you know he made a mistake it, it, it happens and unfortunately when you're a professional baseball player and you make a mistake it's magnified yeah um, it really is i mean you're you're a professional athlete so mm-hmm. you have to know that everything that you do is under a microscope and i completely feel for the guy because you know I don't want one one mistake to ruin somebody's life, especially when it's something like that, you know, yeah. to where there really seemed to be no ill intent, I guess. Well, he, I, there there was no ill intent. I mean, he 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 got plastered and and didn't know where he was and and tried to get into a house that wasn't his. It's that's you know that's different than than being stone cold sober and attempting to break into a house and steal stuff. That's I mean, there's. You know, there's a big difference in my mind in that, you know, we're talking about a, a guy who's still 22, 23 years old. You know, you make mistakes at that age. You, you do stupid stuff and he'll admit it. He did something really stupid. He he got plastered and and is not a drinker. And look what happened. Um, it's tough. But again, like you, like we said, you're, you're under a microscope and, and you got to have you just have to have that mentality that you can't put yourself in this position because ultimately you're costing yourself 
I mean, potentially millions of dollars with with something like this, right? Yeah, and like I said, I don't I don't blame him. We all make mistakes. Yeah, you know, some not as severe, some more severe. You know, so I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, it what's yeah, up? we we're, we it, we we're running. We ran late on the show. I think Craig stole most of our energy. Um, we're about but, to get we're about to get energized because I got a question for you. Okay, what's going on? All right, let's talk about the off season. Let's just go ahead and jump mm-hmm. into it. Off season. What is your bold prediction for the San Diego Padres this off season? My bold prediction is that they do absolutely nothing. Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they're gonna make. I was like, they're Ooh. gonna make. <laughs> they're gonna make moves. That is that's a bold prediction. It's very um, bold. Makes but me they're sad. gonna make moves. They're gonna make moves. There, there's gonna be some pitching uh, acquired here and there. Uh, you know. I'd love to get Garrett Cole. I'd love for this team to have Steven Strasburg at the top of the rotation. But ultimately, I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think that they might have to settle for a Zach Wheeler type uh, in the end, which is not a bad it's thing. It's not a bad thing for the prices oh. that's going around for him. And considering you already have a Paddock and a, and a Lucchese and a Garrett Richards and a... Corin Patino you know, waiting in the wings. There, there's There's plenty of bodies to fill the rotation i i know that in a perfect world you want to see cole and strasburg and cole hamels and you know uh, at the top of the rotation but that's that's just not the reality of it the, the padres are invested in, in, uh, heavily into next season they have uh roughly 119 million dollars uh allocated to four players between myers hosmer machado and richards uh you know the rest of the team thankfully is pre pre-arbitration eligible and isn't making much but that's gonna that's gonna kick in eventually the the tatises the lucases the lowers the munoses they're all gonna get paid eventually i mean we're talking two three four years down the road but if you're investing 30 to 35 million into a, a richer into a um, garrett cole or strasburg for six seven years potentially it could get scary around 2025 2026 for this team, I, I don't know. I, I would love to see those two at the top of the rotation simply because it would take nothing other than money out of the owner's pocket to land them, and the prospect pool would still be deep. But we'll have to wait and see what A.J. Preller and his baseball operations staff have in order, have up their sleeves. But I've heard that the team is looking to revamp the outfield. Uh I've also heard that they're not particularly comfortable with Luis Arias at second base. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. But you will notice that a certain late 30-year-old infielder is still on the roster and still going to be paid $4 million for next year, and that's Ian Kinsler. I don't know. Are, are the Padres actively shopping Luis Urias? There's rumors of that. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see. At, at some point, they're going to have to move prospects. They're going to have to move a catcher. I mean, there's just a lot of there's a lot of issues with this team. I mean, if you look at the catching in particular, you have Hedges and Mejia solidified at, at, at the major league level. Uh, beyond that, you have you have Austin Allen, Luis Torrens, Luis Camposano, and Blake Hunt. And all four need to move up a level. So, you know, Austin Allen is arguably major league ready. So 
something needs to be done unless they plan on carrying three catchers next year, which I guess isn't out of the realm of possibility. Um, something needs to be done with the catching core because Hunt needs to be in Lake Elsinore, Camposano needs to be in Amarillo, and Torrens needs to be in El Paso. Uh, there's going to be moves with this team. There's going to be trades, and I wouldn't be surprised if they don't happen within the next week as the team tries to clear roster spots for the 40-man uh, Rule 5 draft, which is coming up soon. So I, I don't know. Give me, give me your impressions of this team. I know that you and I briefly discussed uh, the Andrew Benatendi, Benatendi Boston rumors. I, I still really do think that he makes a lot of sense for this team, being that he provides a left-handed bat and on-base per, percentage boost for this club that, that just will, woefully needs it. Um, I don't. Give me your thoughts. All right, so if we're talking about trade targets for this team during the offseason before we get to my bold predictions, which my bold prediction is actually that this Andrew Benintendi deal gets done. Uh I think that uh, two of the three Red Sox outfielders will be traded. I don't know which ones, which two it will be, but if we're talking bold predictions, I think that this deal makes a lot of sense for both sides. I think that uh, you know now that the now that the blood is good back, you know, between them after a couple of trades, uh, you know, post Pomeranz deal, I think that. Benintendi makes a lot of sense for this team. They need left-handed bats. They need outfielders. They need corner outfielders. And, you know, Andrew could honestly just probably use a change of scenery. The only thing that scares me is he uses that green monster really well at Fenway. So I don't know if the numbers would take a pretty big hit there, especially going to Petco. Uh, but, I mean, this is a Boston team that desperately needs uh, revitalization in the farm. And, you know, trading Andrew Benintendi to the Padres and trading Mookie Betts elsewhere... Uh, could net you a couple really, really good prospects. And that could just completely revamp the system. You know, uh, Benintendi makes a lot of sense with the Padres, but, you know, other trade targets that I really like, I know you just wrote a piece on Starling Marte about the fact that he makes a lot of sense for this team. Mitch Hanniger makes a ton of sense for this team if the Mariners are willing to let him go. Uh, another guy that I really have come to, like, like start looking at in the past couple of days that really could possibly fill a need if he if he can play left field again is uh is Brian Anderson in Miami. I mean, if you haven't looked at Brian Anderson's numbers this year, uh haven't read an article on him, he really had a big revitalization this year of his career and was the bright spot on a bad Marlins team. And on a Marlins team that's a right-handed hitter though, right? Huh? Is, it, is he a right-handed? Is he a right-handed hitter? I believe he's right-handed, yes. Okay. He's the one that he played third base for them. Yes. Uh Yes. Okay. Yeah, he uh, he had a really he was the bright spot on a bad Marlins team. Uh, you know, nothing but good things coming out. Uh, performed on a bad team, which is actually a whole lot harder than people think. And a guy that can play a you know a, a corner outfield position, if necessary. I mean, I just think that a lot of these guys make a lot of sense. I think Preller does make one of these big moves. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because if you do that and, you know, you bring in an outfielder and you also bring in, uh, you know, I don't want to keep saying Cole Hamill's name because I know there's like a stigma there. But, you know, a guy like Zach Wheeler, you know, I don't want Madison Bumgarner here, but I mean, it's kind of whatever. Yeah, no, I hear I that's what they need, though. They need. A veteran type, yeah, an innings eater, someone who's going to hold the pitching staff accountable, 
someone who's going to help lead them, someone who's going to mentor them. So it, it, I, I don't know if Wheeler's that type, but he fits the window of someone who is improving, someone who is capable of, inning, of eating innings, and, and the stuff is, is pretty nasty with him as well. So um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I, I, I would love for them to sign a free agent and be able to keep this farm system in order so that they can kind of cherry pick their moves that they make, their their additions to the major league team with these prospects. So we'll we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what AJ Preller has in store for him. But I would I would expect a very active uh, off season. Maybe not like uh, the one prior to the 2015 season, but I would expect for the team to be on the move and to be right in the middle of, of pretty much every rumor you hear. I mean, this team is is has the bullets to to pretty much acquire anybody they want. I mean, if they want to go out and acquire Mookie Betts, they have the talent to do it. So, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, I know you'd you'd love for them to to, to throw out a Patino and a, and a Urias. I don't and even a couple need other... Patino. Like. We can go even yeah. lower than that. <laughs> and see, that's what makes the Padres such huge players is that they their top their top three ten or four is number yes. ones in other people's systems. Yeah, seriously, and, and that is 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 pretty rewarding. We're gonna have they're gonna have to move them eventually because they're not all gonna be able to to play at the major league level. And you're only going to stunt their value in, in, in putting them in the bullpen and putting them on the bench. So the, the time to deal some of these players is now as their value is high. And I would expect the Padres to do so. So um, interesting offseason. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if Jace Tingler has a lot of uh, hears a lot of say in, in, in what the moves they make. And, and if, if we might acquire a, a ranger or two here, uh, I've, been seen since Chu rumors, which is ridiculous. I think a lot of that has started on Padres Twitter, but you know, I don't know. Nothing's out of the realm of possibility with AJ Preller and the Padres. We already know that. It's tough to speculate on anything because right when you think you know what they're going to do, they do the exact opposite. So I've learned to kind of just keep my mouth shut and not make any more uh, predictions like I used to. Ah. Uh, Geez, what are we at? Like an hour and fifty minutes, four 15. hours. It feels it feels like it. Uh, thank you so much, folks, for joining us. We went a little bit over with Craig. Uh, it was a kind of a, a long anticipating uh, interview that we had with him. Uh, he and I had been going back and forth trying to coordinate everything, but uh, Craig Goldstein is just awesome. I mean, he gave us a lot of fantastic information. Um, thank you so much, folks, for joining us. Uh, anything else we need to get? Uh, to the masses before we get out of here, Austin? Uh, I do not believe so. I'm Austin Hartsfield at Hartsfield PC on Twitter. And I am EVT underscore or EVTJ underscore Clark. I don't know. You find me somewhere. I'm on Twitter. You don't have to look very hard. You'll find me. Um, thank you so much, folks, folks, for joining us. This was episode number 112 of the East Village Times podcast. Uh, we should be back shortly with a, another fantastic show. Thank you so much for joining us.